0: church, I hope you're doing well this morning. Today I'm preaching at the great Pine Lake Church in Jackson, Mississippi. So pray as I share the gospel with these great people. Uh, Today you have the privilege to hear from our friend Ted Cunningham. Ted is not only a good friend to the church, he's a good friend to me. I love Ted and his family. He needs no introduction here. I want you to put your hands together and welcome our friend Ted Cunningham to the stage. All right. Good morning, church. It is good to see a full room. I haven't been here since 2019. So 2020 was just to the staff. And then last year, I think it was three days before I was supposed to be here, they said just do it to video. Uh, We're not meeting in the building. And I said, you got to be, is COVID back? It's back in full force. But no, you had a building issue. And so three years later, it is great to be here. I drove in this morning because I officiated my brother's wedding yesterday on Table Rock Lake at 4 p.m. in 104 degree heat. In Ozark style, we took two pontoons out. We tied them together. And they exchanged vows and rings out there. And when we were putting the playlist together, my wife said, what should it be? I said, it should be somewhere between Ode to Joy and Redneck Yacht Club. Somewhere <laughs> in there. And I think we found a, a pretty good balance. Uh, but what a time. And, and we actually led the wedding out with a worship song that the Lord has been ministering to me with. And it's what he's done, what he's done All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for all he has done. And yesterday was a great opportunity for that. And one of the things I love about coming to Battle Creek is before the services begin, uh, we meet in the back and we're face-to-face online with all of the campus pastors. And it's a special time uh, because we pray for this room, for each campus, for those watching online. And today... Uh, You know, my passion is to help couples enjoy life, so we're going to definitely have some of that. Uh, Then I also want to talk to parents and in-laws who would like a healthy, thriving relationship with their adult children. So you might want to call this message, first comes love, then come (laughs) in-laws. I also want to talk to adult children. How you can have a thriving relationship with your parents, uh, to young adults, whether you're single or married. How do you have boundaries in adulthood with your parents? And how do us as parents with adult children honor those boundaries? And then I just look around the room and I see see two small children on the front row. uh, Parents that have a strong desire to see their children leave home Well, And so we got a lot to cover today, and I know Alex usually preaches in 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, So, no, I don't know. I think he goes a little bit longer than that. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2 and put your finger on Genesis 2 verse 20. God creates Adam. He places him in the garden to work, and that is where we are going to pick up in verse 20. So the Man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. My comedian friend John Branion says, Clearly this was the rib man needed to read minds. They're not going to get much better than that, for those of you offended this early uh, on. (laughs) And then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and here we have the first wedding. And he brought her to the man. And I love this word picture, because Martin Luther says God could have taken a bone from Adam's head and... imply that women would rule over men. he could have taken a bone from Adam's foot, implying that men would rule over women. But he took a bone from Adam's side. It implies equality, mutual respect, but the word picture I love, and I have been bringing into weddings for the last couple of years, the word picture is side by side. That marriage is this beautiful picture of a husband and wife walking side by side through the grind of life, through the blessings and the challenges, through the good times and bad. I have now just to walk with Amy through the garden, through the grind, through the toilsome labor under the sun. And for the last 25 years, I've been walking side by side with this woman right here. This is actually our 25th uh, wedding anniversary picture. Uh, I have to ask, how many of you remember Olin Mills? Would you raise your hand if you've never heard of Olin Mills? Look around the room. Olin Mills is where every old person in this room got their family portraits taken. (laughs) And it was the same family portrait. We were all in front of the same blue screen doing mug shots. Those days are long gone. Photo shoots are high energy. I mean, they're, they're, they got a lot going on. We showed up to a park, and the photographer said, okay, Amy, I want you to stand right here. Ted, you go back there 30 feet. I want you to sprint up. I want you to grab her, pick her up, spin her around, and set her back down. I said, should we stretch first? I... I wasn't prepared for this, what are we doing? She says, I know it sounds crazy, but trust me, the pictures look awesome, so I'm game. I, I get back there, and don't give me a challenge because I'm gonna step up to the plate, I'm going 100%. I'm not the greatest athlete of the 21st century, I lack a few things athletes need, skill, balance, coordination, strength, but I sprinted up and I grabbed her and at about the 180, I lost my balance. And for our 25th wedding anniversary, I body slammed my wife to the ground. With a force and a passion, I brought a picture to show you. No, I didn't, we don't have that picture. You wanted that picture. The photographer didn't get it. Now, I'm 48 years old and I'm at that age where when you fall, you don't get up right away. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You have to make sure everything's still in place. Nothing's broken. So I'm just sitting there for a little bit. The photographer comes over, mouth agape. She goes, that's never happened before on a photo shoot. We've done. I just said, tell me you got that. She didn't get it. But I lo- listen, this picture was minutes after and we're all okay. And, and this isn't like, okay, now laugh, right? The photographer telling me what to do. Because my goal in life as I walk side by side with this woman through the grind of life is to get her to laugh every single day. I enjoy doing life with Amy Cunningham. She has a silent patriotic laugh. When she finds something funny, she places her hand over her heart. <laughs> she leans forward and nothing comes out. I took, her, this is, I took her to see Jeff Foxworthy one time, and he does a colonoscopy bit for 15 minutes. And for 15 minutes, my wife did not breathe. And I said, it is now my goal in life. Because we know what the scripture says, Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And there are some couples in here right now with crushed spirits. There are families in here with crushed spirits. I love doing comedy. I love doing comedy events. Date night comedy is my favorite thing to do around the country. And the last couple of years, uh, I've been with a lot of groups with crushed spirits. And in many ways, I feel like the church and our nation has lost its sense of humor. So maybe as we go through today and as we start, we could lighten up a little bit. We could take it easy. Take the Lord very seriously, but not yourself. Lighten up. Have you, I mean, if you, it, it takes two seconds online to just get everybody, and then you comment about something. Just, Something. Hey, have you seen gas prices? Yeah. Okay, everybody, just <laughs> let's all just bring it. To, we're all here right now. Let's just bring it to right here. Why? We're we crushed spirit. I, I wrote a book that came out right before the pandemic called A Love That Laughs. And uh, if you're going to release a book on laughter, do it two weeks before a global pandemic. Because I've <laughs> I've sold like 33, 34 copies of that thing, <laughs> and. Uh, Everybody's really in the mood to laugh. You could sum that whole book up for couples into one statement. It would be right here. Couples who use laughter to manage stress and work through difficult conversations not only experience higher levels of marital satisfaction, but they stay together longer. This whole using laughter to work through difficult conversations, I need to say something to the husbands real quick. Timing is (laughs) everything, okay? Okay. You got to give some time. Like if something happens that you think is funny, she probably doesn't think it's funny at that moment. But if you give it a couple of days and you're like, when do I know it's time? She'll let you know. But when you use laughter to manage stress and work through difficult conversations, you can begin enjoying life together again, side by side through the grind. Listen, never forget, Jesus is your source. Satan is your enemy. If you want to experience high levels of marital satisfaction, never treat your spouse like the source or the enemy. God didn't give you your spouse to be your source, didn't give you your spouse to be your enemy. Your, your marriage has an enemy, make no mistake, it's just not your spouse. Your spouse is your companion side by side through the grind of life. I, in chapter two of A Love That Laughs, I wrote 38 benefits of laughter for your marriage. And I wish I could share them with you. I'm just going to give you seven of them this morning. Number one, humor opens us up for truth. That's why I love to use laughter when I teach, because I believe if if you're laughing and your mouth is open, we can cram truth down your throat in that very moment. (laughs) Humor helps us cope. 19th century preacher Henry Ward Beecher said, a person without a sense of humor is like a wagon without springs jolted by every pebble on the road. Good humor makes all things tolerable. And we've got to get back to finding our funny bone in marriage. Hearty laughter burns calories. Skip your workout today and watch a comedy together. Vanderbilt University says you can lose up to 40 calories, burn 40 calories with 10 to 15 minutes of hearty laughter. It reduces stress and tension. My favorite thing to hear after a date night comedy is, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. My face hurts and my side hurts. I was in Rock Valley, Iowa Earlier this year, and this 65 year old lady walks up to me and she said, What are those three things people say? I said, Haven't laughed that hard in a long time. My face hurts, my side hurts. She goes, You can add a fourth. I go, What's that? She says, I think I peed a little. (laughs) Humor makes you more attractive. To the young single guys in here, I want to tell you, you don't need the body of the rock, the face of Brad Pitt, or the ego of Tony Stark to get a girl. You just need a few jokes. You need a paycheck and a few jokes, and you got those things, and you can get the girl. Humor makes you more relatable. Have you ever walked into a room where people are laughing, and you don't even know what was said, but you move toward them? It's like a a yawn. It's contagious. Right, because we like being around people who can say something or do something stupid and go, ah, I can't believe I just did that. You want to experience high levels of marital satisfaction? Start shaking your head at yourself more and your spouse less. Something like, mmm, the the Baptist moves are coming out. (laughs) I love this one. Humor makes shopping enjoyable. (laughs) <laughs> this is for the guy I hate grocery shopping with every ounce of my being would you raise your hand if you hate grocery shopping I hate it and Amy will send me in with lists and I say you gotta be specific you can't be vague I need specific. you can't say canned tomatoes there's diced, there's peeled, there's crushed there's all sorts of canned tomatoes she sent me in with one item some time ago to Sunfest, prepared mustard she said would you get me prepared I've never heard of prepared mustard in my entire life and I'm in my 40's I go over to our very generous mustard section. It's next to our very generous ketchup section. I start at the top, and I start working my way down. I get to the bottom. I do it one more time. I'm exasperated. I am frustrated. 80-year-old lady walks down the aisle. I go, ma'am, I'm so sorry to bug you. Could you come here for a second? I show her the text. My wife says prepared mustard. She needs prepared mustard. Would you please help me find prepared mustard? My wife, she didn't, or this lady, didn't say one word to me. She looks at me looks back at the mustard section, looks back at me without saying a word. While looking at me, she goes... (laughs) How many of you just learned what prepared mustard is for the very first time in your life? I never knew what it was. It's all liquid mustard but we'll be in the grocery store and Amy will send me back over to an aisle where we forgot something and recently I, I was walking over and I saw this and I thought this is that made me laugh and it's worth it here's the secret if you want to laugh more together as a couple stop trying to be funny and just start looking for it it's everywhere it's, I'm looking at y'all right now Just look for it, you'll find it, call it out. I saw this item, I picked it up and I said, I'm gonna take this over because I want the silent patriotic laugh. I'm not gonna say a word. I'm just gonna show you what I showed her to see what your reaction is. (laughs) Now, you'll notice some people sitting around you aren't laughing. That's because they were raised on new math. (laughs) And when I grew up, the math teacher said what? Show your work. (laughs) Somebody complained. Why am I paying so much for this Coke? Well, it's a 15-pack. I don't care. Well, it's three more cans (laughs) than a 12-pack. You're driving down the road. You see this sign. Don't drive by this sign without calling it out from Mount Pleasant. Do you know what hell is? Come here, our preacher. That's a good sign. I'm just telling you, you don't have to, you don't have to write jokes. You just got to keep your eyes open. You know, years ago, we did a date night comedy at Battle Creek, and I brought my friend John Branyon from Indiana. And uh, he, he does a great bit on Flippin' Arkansas. If you get time today, go look. It's a whole bit on it. But I remember, he was the first one he, to tell me. He goes, Ted, you know that you and Amy live an hour north of Flippin' Arkansas? And I go, Yeah. He said, have you not stopped long enough to think that everything in Flippin', Arkansas is hilarious? I said, uh-uh. So Amy and I, we took a field trip. First sign we see when we pull into flipping. <laughs> you, you, you can't invite your lost friends to the flipping church of God. Can you imagine something goes wrong here on a Sunday morning? 911, what's your emergency? Yeah! I'm at the flipping Church of God! Somebody give me the flipping cops! Now get serious for just a second, Bow Creek. <laughs> to walk side by side together. Through the toilsome labor, not treating each other as the toilsome labor under the sun, not being the grind for one another, but walking side by side through all that life throws at us. Yesterday with my brother to give them the vows, we, we, you know, adapt vows for each couple, but all of them end with, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until the Lord returns or calls one of us home and and th- that that's the seasons right there it, it's it's what theologian Kenny Chesney said don't don't blink cuz just like that you're 6 years old and you take a nap and you wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife don't blink Because just like that, you might miss your babies growing like mine did, turning into moms and dads. The next thing you know, your better half of 50 years is there in bed, and you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friends, 100 years goes faster than you think. And when you get to Genesis 2.24, it makes more sense when you read up into the context why it says, for this reason. For this reason, a, a man will leave his father and mother, I think we lose this symbolism in a wedding, but that's, that's I leave the side of my parents because that's what parenting is, right? You're walking side by side with your children through life. When you get to the wedding, and in order for a marriage to thrive, mom and dad have to back away from the side by side approach so that the husband and wife can be side by side. So it's for this reason, the way God designed the side by side approach in marriage, a man has to leave. His father and mother. I want to talk about that a little bit. How to have a thriving marriage if you leave well. I want to talk to mom and dad, mother-in-law, father-in-law today. And what it means in your family of origin. Because you watched, listened, remembered, and repeated so many messages. Thousands of messages are written on your heart from your family of origin. And you got married to someone with thousands of different messages but we lose this sometimes. But you have to leave father and mother to be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And in that one flesh, yes, it's speaking of the physical intimacy. There's safety. There's protection. There's care. But not just in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom as well. My daughter's actually with me uh, today. She traveled in. uh, She was a photographer at the wedding last night uh, on Table Rock, Uh, but she's at the book table back there, and March 31st, or May 31st, I walked my daughter down the aisle in a, she wanted a simple garden wedding in our backyard. And I'd like to explain to y'all how much a simple uh, (laughs) garden wedding uh, costs. When I was told we were tearing this thing down that they built over it, I said, no, we're not. We're going to feed that for years to come. Anyway, I walked my daughter down the aisle. And if you think about for that moment, and the reason that's so emotional for dad is because that's the last side-by-side walk. And my son was standing at the front and says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I. And this is Genesis 2, 20 through 24, wrapped in a bow. I backed away and I invited Caden Hazel to step to her side, and I couldn't be more grateful. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the son, and then I I stepped to the front, and I think your pastor recently tried to do this too, where you officiate your daughter's wedding, and it's a 30-minute ceremony, and I got the video back. I've watched it a few times, and every five seconds, you hear me going... (laughs) And I told, I asked the videographer, I go, you couldn't have edited that out. It's precious, he says, it's precious. <laughs> it, it was not precious, it was annoying. <laughs> but stepping away side by side, and that's what I wanna to talk to, to mom and dad, and mother in law and father in law about. How, what's your responsibility and role in the, the leaving and the boundaries? as we get into that. And here's what we know about your family of origin. And As we move into boundaries, as we move into the leaving part, we want to talk about influence. And that's where this message ends, with the influence we still have as parents. My relationship with my daughter changed on May 31st. It's not a bad relationship, it's a different relationship. Uh, I was pretty numb for a few weeks after the wedding, like, what just happened? Many of you have felt that as well. But Corinne now enters into her marriage side by side through life with Caden. And let me tell you, I'm still still there with them because I have influenced them. Look at, these are just a few of the ways your family of origin will influence you. Your family of origin influences the way you worship, the way you vote, the way you spend and save. I grew up in a home that taught savings was money you put away for a rainy day. My wife grew up in a home that taught savings was the difference between the actual price and the sale price very different homes and that's family of origin the way you drive I grew up in a home that taught signs on the road where laws to be followed you break one you go to jail my wife grew up that sees all signs as suggestions for other people she taught me how to cut people off in traffic just keep your eyes down don't look at them when you do it very different driving patterns in our marriage. The way you fight, clean, joke. The way you celebrate the holidays, that's your family of origin. My wife grew up in the White House. There's a tree in every room, garland over every door. Can't start decorating until cookies are being baked. And Andy Williams is playing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. My family decorated for Christmas on a commercial break, and that's a true story. We had a three-foot pre decorated a tree with a garbage bag over it in the crawl space and we'd pull it out put it on the dehumidifier pull off the bag joy to the world and we were back in business and i didn't know why five years into marriage i was so ticked off every time we i got to the 46 box that said christmas decor on it i was in no mood to celebrate the birth of my lord and savior i was angry i was mad why family of origin kids start growing up. Dad, I made this ornament last year. Just put it on the tree. Why are we making such a big deal out of this? Family of origin. It even affects the way you load the dishwasher. Now, I'm not saying my way is the only way to load a dishwasher. It is the manufacturer's recommended loading instructions. You can tell a lot of my preaching is just working personal stuff out is really what it is. But, but just to show you how silly this can be as we talk about influence, I'm going to show you a picture that sums it all up in just one picture and get your reaction. <laughs> Make some noise if the one on the right is right. Make some noise if the one on the left is right. And there are your cat owners. I've never had somebody get as passionate as you. What's your name? Ron? All right, Ron, I'm calling you out in front of everybody. There's somebody worse than Ron, okay? Some of you aren't married just to that person. You're married to that person right there. And let's call it what it is. You left a little bit on so you didn't have to go get a new role. And you're lazy. There's somebody worse than this. Somebody lazier than this is that person right there. Make some noise if this brings great joy to your soul right here. That is proper toothpaste suspension right there. But you married that person right there. Or worse, you married that person right there. And you've seen them take their toothbrush and kind of scrape that bit off the top. What kind of animal doesn't use a cap? Make some noise if this brings great joy to your soul. There's nothing. There's nothing like a fresh towel fluffed and folded, but you married this person right here. (laughs) Comedian Jeff Allen, he has a great bit on this. He goes, my wife likes to confront me with this stuff now with questions. She's asked a lot of questions to confront me. I walk in the bedroom. She's like, hey, is this your underwear on the floor? And he's like, well, I hope so. If not, I'm going to have some questions of my own around here. When it comes to the little family of origin influences in your marriage, you know what you got to get good at saying? N-B-D. No big deal. It's no big deal. And this is why if you have a prolonged season of dating, when I work with couples, I worked with someone last week, they were dating for five years and they plan on dating long before they get married. said so the problem is these no big deal moments in marriage, we have a covenant that keeps us together. And the problem with someone dating three, four, or five years, and these no big deal moments hits them, they almost treat them like deal breakers. And they're really no big deal. You know why? Because a different way is not the wrong way. It's just a different way of doing it. Like, Ron seems to get along great with his wife. They look like they got a great marriage going on back there. Because she wasn't cheering. She was on the right. But if if we can move to a a serious moment with influence now, because these are the the small areas of influence that can cause issue in a marriage. We're more concerned about the big, the big influence. And as a dad, as I stepped away from my daughter, I know I've influenced so much about her life and her heart, but my, my season of influence is not over. It's not. And I want to I honor boundaries, because there's three things about boundaries, and I want to give you five of them real quick. But there's, <laughs> there's three things. That's, that sounded like a preacher, didn't it? Uh, you have to establish boundaries. You have to communicate them, not assume that they are understood. And then you have to honor them. So you, you establish them, communicate them, and honor them. And here, here's, I'm going to give you five. And they truly are pretty quick. Prioritize your spouse over your parent. If you want to leave home well, leave your father and mother well, you have to prioritize your spouse over your parent. What does it mean to leave home? It means you leave home physically. Most people get that, but it also means you leave home relationally and emotionally. And what that means is after a good day at work and you want to celebrate with someone, your parent is no longer your first phone call. Your spouse is your first phone call. If you need to vent or you have a question about something that needs to get done around the house or just something you want to shoot the breeze with someone about, listen, hey, Your spouse is the first phone call. Number two, never compare your spouse to a parent. There's there's somebody real passionate back there about... uh, (laughs) that. There's two ways we do this. Something needs to get done around the house, cooking, cleaning, something get fixed. And you're like, well, the way my dad did it was, and how my mom would have... But that's not as bad as the, the moment you look at your spouse and you're like, you're sounding just like your father. <laughs> that's something your mother would do. We're leaving home physically, relationally, and emotionally. Number three, do not take personal responsibility for a parent's feelings, words, and actions. You are 100% responsible for your Feelings, thoughts, words, and actions. That's why when you apologize, you only apologize for things you say or things you do. But I am not responsible for my parents' emotions. Why is this so important that I draw this line and own my own heart? Because I'm not even responsible for Amy's heart. She's 100% responsible for her heart. I am for mine. And with our parents, same thing. This is why it's important because of number four. Do not allow extended family members to make decisions for your marriage. You're an adult now. You know what that means? You get to decide where you go on vacation. You get to decide whose house you wake up in on Christmas morning. But my mom wants everybody there. on Christmas. Well, you got two moms now. And then your wife, I hear this from couples all the time. Your wife is saying, I want our kids to wake up in our home. We can go to the grandparents' home later that day or later in the week. But can we plead? Listen, you, I got to give permission for this. You have left your father and your mother. You get to choose. That's why you go back to the third boundary. It is gonna hurt some people's feelings, but they have to own that. And you're, and, and you're like, I've had a mom come up to me after this message a couple of weeks ago, actually, came up to me and she goes, You are tearing families apart with this message. <laughs> I go, I'm trying to do just the opposite like, help marriages thrive and for families to be healthy. And I think if if you're checking out on me right now, don't, because the fifth one's very important. I tell this to every couple. Stop obeying your parents, but never stop honoring your parents. We're called to honor until they draw their last breath, or you draw yours, whatever comes first. You esteem them as highly valuable. You visit them, yes. You speak words of high value over them. But you are an adult. And if I could just share with the parent right now, we've got to be reminded of this. Parenting is for a season. I am done parenting Corinne May, I got to say it, Hazel. I'm done parenting her. But guess what? I'll be her parent for a lifetime. And I think this is where we lose it as parents sometimes. We forget that parenting is a journey from control to influence. Did you ever meet an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, who maybe they went out on their own or you were were at college and your roommate was dropped off and your roommate completely lost their minds. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes we make as parents, treating our children like children right up until the very moment we expect them to be an adult. We control, control, control. And I'm here to promise you this, mom and dad. If you want to control your children at home or your adult children, you will have no influence controlling, demanding, manipulative parents do not have influence in the lives of their adult children. They can manipulate emotions in the family. They can get behavior kind of forced and maybe family gatherings to come together, but that's not influence. That's not influence at all. And and for those of you, listen, those of you with the baby carriers down here, this is the most control you'll ever have. You're like, you, you don't feel like you have any control right now. But guess what? That's it. It's as good as it gets. Because with every year of your child's life, you are losing control. And I hope, and my prayer is that as I lose control, I gain influence. My son got back from passion camp last week. But he was texting me during all of the sessions and he was just telling me what God was showing him and teaching him, and he was letting me know how, you know, the week was going. And I, I loved it. I love these text messages. My son, his texts are usually pretty short compared to my daughters. My sons are pretty short. These got pretty lengthy. And, and you talk about a dad rejoicing in his son. This is what he said. He goes, hey, dad, Ben Stewart just did a message where he went through the history of the translations of the Bible and the analytics of the textual differences. This is my 17-year-old, and it was the best message I've ever heard at a camp. And when I read that, you know what my first thought is? Uh, I want that text message from him when he's 30 years old, and when he's 40. And you know how I get that? I back away, I surrender control, so I can have influence. My friend Dr. Jim Burns wrote a great book. If you want to look look this book up, it's called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. This is the subtitle of the book, and it can sum up everything I just shared in all of those boundaries, and it's so fantastic. If you wanna move from control to influence and you wanna be a parent of influence later on in the life of your children, keep the welcome mat out and your mouth shut. Mm. Now, listen, I don't have a problem with my mouth. I can keep my mouth shut. My mouth's not the problem, it's my face. My face communicates way more than it should. Shock, disappointment, you got to be kidding me. But I'm practicing this so I can be a parent of influence. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Mom and dad, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It starts in the heart of a parent, and the heart of a grandparent and influence, right? That's what family of origin, the way your kids vote, drive, save, spend, all of that. They watched, they listened, they remembered, now they're repeating. That was the influence of your family of origin. But the greatest influence you can have on your child, the most important, the primary influence is a love for the Lord. Don't expect them to serve in this church if you're not serving in this church. Do not expect them to worship the Lord, to pray outside of mealtime if that's not something you're doing because they're watching you. They're listening to you. And that's what verse seven says. Impress them on your children. How do you do that? Well, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This comes to life when Paul is talking to young Timothy. What does he say in chapter one, verse five? I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith. Where did you get that sincere faith? Who taught you about that? Where did you see it? Where did you hear it? It first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Grandma and grandpa, I'd say this. I obviously pastor in Branson. It's, you know, Disney World for senior adults. (laughs) And I have to remind our grandparents all the time, because I'm convinced of this. Grandma and grandpa, you are probably living in the most influential season of your life. Don't waste it. Don't squander it. And also lived in your mother. And he says, What? Paul says, I am persuaded it now lives in you also. Jesus gives some of his strongest words in Matthew chapter 10. He says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. We don't sing about this at Christmas. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What Jesus is teaching here, let's talk about what he's not teaching and then what he's teaching. He's not teaching dishonor your parents. He's not teaching you to break that commandment. That's not at all. It's talking about undivided allegiance to Christ. And when you place faith alone in Christ alone and you give your life to Jesus, guess what? It will affect your relationships. And I think this church, more than a lot of churches understand what I'm about to say. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the globe who have followed Jesus and it cost them their family. Their family said, if you choose to follow him, you will not be welcome in this home that is exactly what jesus is talking about undivided allegiance to christ and that's what verse 37 anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and you know why i want to be a parent of influence i want to be a parent of influence so that my kids continue to see my walk with jesus grow do you know why I want to honor boundaries as my kids leave? Not just so they can have a thriving marriage. That's important, but that's not it. That's not, that's not my priority. I'll end with this. I never want my relationship with my children to stand in the way of their relationship with Jesus. That's why I'm going to, whatever they establish as a boundary and communicate to me, I will honor Yes, I want them to have a thriving marriage, but I want them to have a thriving relationship with Jesus. And remember, mom and dad, and I look, I I just, I don't know, I'm moving toward the families with the small children. Listen, your, your priority is not to attach your kids to you as a source of life, because you're not their source of life. Your priority is to attach them to the true and only source of life. And as you get up in the morning to the time you go to sleep at night, as you sit at home and as you drive down the road, Your conversation is of the Lord, pointing your children to the true and only source of life. Would you pray with me? I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads, and I'm going to invite some folks to stand, just three groups of people that I would like to pray for this morning. To the father, the mother, the father-in-law, the mother-in-law that maybe has a strained relationship with their adult children or their adult son-in-law or adult daughter-in-law. And you're like, Ted, I want to be a parent of influence In this relationship and I I want nothing about my relationship with them to stand in the way of their relationship with Jesus I'd like to pray for you here and across all the campuses would you stand so I can pray for you just stand right where you are thank you now to the adult children you have a strained relationship with your your parents or your in-laws and you want healthy family dynamics and you want the Lord, you, you, you know that the Lord has everything that you need as your source to bring that and you lean on him today and, and, and you want this church to pray would you stand right where you are and across the campus is this last one if you're a parent and you say I think I got the parenting thing down. We have a great relationship with our kids. I see a lot of teens in the room, a lot of young adults. And you're like, whew, I, I want my kids to leave home well. And for some of you, your kids aren't leaving for three or four more years. For some, it's 10 years. But make no mistake, you're on the journey from control to influence right now. And, and you want to do this transition from childhood to adulthood well. And you want to surrender control so that you may gain influence, and you want that as a parent, I'd like to pray for you as we close. Would you stand? Father, all across this campus, as all of these folks are standing, as, as moms and dads, mother-in-law, father-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, adult children standing across the campuses, I pray that even at home, Online, people are standing just wanting this prayer. I pray for the parents and the in-laws that they can rejoice and delight and praise the love of their child's marriage. That they can be an advocate for their child's marriage and not just their child. That they will honor the boundaries that are placed before them. That this would lead to healthy conversations That for the adult children who are standing going, I I know there's plenty I can say and do, and I haven't really given it a fair shot to my mother-in-law or to my father-in-law or to my mom or to my dad, that they would leave here today with maybe a few handles to begin that conversation. I pray that Christmas and Thanksgiving look different this year for many families that are standing. I know there are some standing right now that haven't talked to their kids in a long time. And I hear those painful stories all the time. And maybe there's just a moment in today's service that they think of something they can confess or repent before you and before their adult children. We believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raises dead families and dead marriages. And I pray for every parent standing right now on the journey from control to influence That as they surrender that control, that their homes would be full of conversation, rooted deeply in Jesus. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. And we pray all of this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Love you, Battle Creek.